0: Uh, I'd like to talk about, uh, not talk about Moshe and Benu and uh, the specific sin that they committed Moshe and Aaron, and the punishment, etc. But I'd like to talk about something which I think is, uh, might be of real significance uh, to us today. But you'll have to figure out, figure out on your own what that significance might be. There's a psukim a, 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 a in the end of Dvarim, in the parasha, of fifth eight 6. The first source on the sheet. It says Lo the kahal Hashem. Gam asiri lo lahem ad olav. So we're talking about Amon and Moab. Now you know that Amon and Moab were involved. With um, with the attempt by Bilam ben Baal to stop us, to stop us on our march to Eretz Canaan. Now this story is told next in next week's parasha, but we remember enough to make sure that we know that Bilam was the person who tried to curse the Jews and was not successful. However. However, Balaam was successful in his final attempt to thwart the Jews. And he sent the young girls uh, to convince the men to get involved in idolatry. And apparently he was successful. I mean, they did, it, it caused the tremendous... A uh, uh, problem which that was solved ultimately by Pinchas, right? That's two weeks, in two weeks, or next week is the parsha of Balak, and after the parasha of Balak is the parasha of Pinchas. So Amon and Moab are designated by the Torah as an eternal enemy, almost. Almost eternal. Because what it says is, Lo in other words, let's say Lo Yabobala Hashem means we're we're not going to let them marry. We're not going to let them marry Jewish women. Bekala Hashem Adullah. Al Debar, as the Pasuk explains, what is the cause of this severe position? Al Dabar Shalokidmu et Chem, the letter of the Nayim, but theref first. Uh, the Jews uh, who were traveling applied to Moab for water and bread. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, items that are not easily available in the Makolet in the desert. And they refused. But not only that, they did something else. Sachar so first they didn't give you water and bread. second they hired Bilam ben Baor to curse you and so so you remember that the Klala turned into a bracha. That's what the Pesukim say. This is certainly what it says in the Torah, next week's parasha. And then finally it says, but it doesn't say, it doesn't say here in the Torah, what the almost success of Bil'am was in sending the young girls to convince the men that they should be idolatrous, right? With The last Pesuk, Pesuk Zayin, this is an unforgivable an unforgivable sin so we see that the relationships between the nations that the Torah is presenting to us is do we absorb them allow them to be absorbed or don't we allow them to be absorbed like the assumption is the jews are not going to want to become part of amon and moab because they recognize that the torah is gives uh, them an edge it's superior somehow but what if amon and moab somehow come along and say we would like to become part of am yisrael so the torah says no that the sin of Ammon and Moab in their attack on Am Yisrael was so grave that there's no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness. Let's look at the Rashi. The Rashi says, Lo Lo Yisai Yisraeli. That's what it means. They shouldn't marry a, 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 a Jewish girl. <laughs> so here Rashi is talking about the end of the parsha of Balak. Not only the curses that Bilam tried to do, but also the fact that he advised that the women come and convince the men that they should be idolatrous. <laughs> uh, you know, you were like Rashi's defending, but the heidavetiruv means when you were confused tremendously, like you were going crazy in the desert. So that the, the, the girls who came uh, were able to sway you in a particular direction, but it's only because of the situation. Even the Amon and Moab who happen to be around, happen to be around. they also can't be are uh, uh, accepted into cloud Israel so that the um, the the relationship between these nations or between all nations by inference is if they want to come in and become part of the Jewish people what we call today diur, right conversion fine, the other possibility doesn't occur to the Torah, apparently. Why would a Jew want to become an Ammonite or a Moabite? Whereas we understand that their religion is, um, is false, or is confused, or leads people in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So the only question in the Torah is, can people from outside come in? And their answer is yes. The Torah says yes, but... Not Ammon and Moab, not and Moab. Then the Torah continues, and the Torah says I'm about the pasuk, chet, right? Lo Edom. Edom equals later. The later incarnation of Edom is Rome, and the earlier incarnation of Edom is a right, so the word Edom even though it is the name of a people who lived across the Jordan across the river, the east side of the Jordan River, right Amon, Moab, Edom, they all lived near the Jordan the the, uh, Edom Edom is the name of the nation that evolved out of Esau and that eventually Chazal thought was equal to Rome Edo. So what does the Pasuk say? Lo You should not hate the Edomites. You should not hate Edomi. Now what does that mean? After all, we know that there is a theme in Chazal. That the hate of Esav for Yaakov is never ending. Is never ending. That's true. But we are enjoying in this Pasuk not to return hate with hate it doesn't say love the Edomites that's a little difficult they try to kill us but don't treat them the way they treat you don't find them abominable hateful imagine that he is your brother in spite of the fact that Aesop tried to kill Yaakov, in spite of the fact that Rome continues to destroy the Jewish people, try to destroy the Jewish people, in some way there is this relationship. What does that mean, ki So look at the Rashi. Rashi says, so Rashi Rashi like a human kind of position. He says look we understand if you say that you hate the Edomites. I mean that's hard, easy to understand. I mean, they're, they're killing you all the time. But, but anyway so Rashi says Rashi says, Don't hate him entirely. Less than you might. Uh, remember that Ki Okay? Then the Pasuk goes on and says, Do not hate the Egyptian. Why? Because all those hundreds of years that you were slaves in Egypt, you, you received housing and food from the Egyptians. It was like somebody who does you a favor. Even though he may not be, he or she may not be a very nice person, nevertheless, if they do you a favor, so that creates a kind of <laughs> indebtedness. Right, you're indebted. So, he says. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is? The Here, <laughs> Lord. For I show i do a so there are four nations that are mentioned two that don't have any kind of atonement that's Ammon and Moab because Ammon and Moab brought us into idolatry and into hateful responses to reality and so they they, there's nothing we can do we can't make peace with Ammon and Moab and the other two nations are Edom and, uh, and the giant, both of whom we have pretty bad memories about, but the Torah says they're not as bad. And eventually they can become part of Am Yisrael if they want to. Right? They can come in and they can be converted. And eventually, after the third generation, they can even marry a Jewish, a Jewish woman. That's what, that's what it says. Okay? Not, what? What do you mean the third generation? The third generation they have <laughs> to first intermarry amongst themselves. One, you know, in you know, other words, gayrim. They they go through a process of Geirut and then they have to marry each other, these Mitzrim or ador. <laughs> but after three generations they can marry a Jewish person. A Jewish woman. What? They become Gayrim. First they become Gay rim. yeah. They can't marry They can't marry a Jew for three generations. But Amon and Moab are like a Jew who's not a convert. They can't marry a Jew who's not a convert for three generations and then they can. But the Amon and Moab, they never get out of that status. But it's nothing to do with today. Well, we'll see about today in the moment. But it's like the story of the Gibbonim. If you remember, remember the Gibbonim? The Gibbonats? No? To give onim, him, Nun said, look, whoever wants to make peace with us, we won't go to war with them. But if you don't make peace with us, then we will go to war. We will go to war. But peace, peace, fine. You know, you can live here, you can stay here. You have to get rid of the idols, but you can stay here in Ereti Now, the give O they thought that they would do it this way. First, they would see how Yoshua did. How the battles went. And the battles went in favor of Yeshua. So then they would come and make peace. That was their idea, even though Yeshua gave them a time limit. So when they came, everybody understood. Everybody understood that they they had come um, after watching what was going on. And when Yeshua won battle after battle, so they came to make peace. And they said that they came from very far away. They tore their clothing to show that they were on the road. And, of course, Yoshua did not believe that. But, he allowed them, the Giladites were allowed to come and become part of Am Yisrael, on some level, but they could never intermarry with the Jews. And, therefore, they remained like a, a lower caste, drawers of water. You know, they were, they were kind of, not slaves, but they had the most menial positions, and that was their punishment but the Mitzrim and the Edomim, after three generations, are regular. Are regular Jews who can marry anybody, anybody they see fit. I mean, three generations have to convert and marry. First they convert, and then convert. their children. No, the children are Jewish. It's like a, it's a convert marrying a convert. In other words, the first generation of converts must marry converts. Right, the second generation is also, also the second generation of those converts. And then, and then the third generation. And after that, they can marry anybody they want, any Jew. Including a coin? What? Including a coin? No, no, not a coin. So there are details. <laughs> <laughs> there are details. You're right. But, but but the point is, the point that I'm trying to stress is that the that the Edomites and the Mitzrims can gain access to the Jewish people. They can become part of the Jewish <coughs> people. And another generation, you forget where they came from. They're Jews. Now here in Devarim, in Devarim, the second uh, the second chapter, uh, the beginning of Devarim, it talks about Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, um, letter to the to Sichon. Sichon. He said, bekesef." So just like he asked Amon and Moab, right, according to the project, for bread and water, he asked Sikhov for bread and water. Right? That's what it says in the in the Pasuk. Vishatiti just let me go through your land go through your land like Sifon and Ogwa north on the the eastern side of the Jordan further north so he said listen just let us just sell us uh, sell us water and bread and let us go through your land to where we are headed, which is Pasukav said just as the sons of Esau. Who are you surely to say, who am a of Esau we a said who a the sons of Edom? Edom, the sons of our at of we came to the Edomites earlier in our history. We asked them for water and bread, and they said, "Ioshrim uh, the Segi here, vaMoabim So the uh, the Edomites and the Moabites, uh, we asked them for bread and water until we cross over the uh, the Jordan. So it's like, like a little strange. Sichon, he's telling Sichon, why can't you be like Moab and Edom? But Moab and Edom didn't give them water and bread. So what was it, how do we get through this? So let's look at Rashi, quickly. Rashi says, Rashi says, so he says, you see, Rashi says, only about the Nei itself, About the day itself that they sold mine and bread to Nei Israel to allow them to go um, into, into the Makar mm-hmm. Ocha So as we will see, as we see, what happened with Adon was Moshe came to them and said, give us bread and water which originally they should have received because they were brothers. They should have received it for nothing. And finally Moshe Rabbeinu had to say, okay, we'll pay for it. We don't want it for nothing. We want to pay for the bread and the water that we're going to receive. Now that story about Moshe Rabbeinu and Edom is found here in the third third source. And this is in our parasha. This is the parasha of Phukat. The third source of the page. So let's look at it. Remember that? This stress again on the fact that they are brothers. Right? That they are brothers and therefore You know how difficult it has been for us. Our history. <laughs> After all, where was <laughs> Esau all the years that the Jews were in the Israel? They were in Eretz Israel, someplace. Seir. What? They were in Seir. Ar- Ar- Se-ir. Okay, Ar- is In Eretz Israel, it's south of what is usually considered to be Yehuda. Right? So it's a lot. Right? That's where they were. But they were in Eretz Israel all this time. Living and being happy, and they were kings. They were Edomite kings, as the Talmud tells us. So, so Moshe Rabbeinu starts so off by saying, "Achicha Yisrael." Then he says, "We had a lot of difficulty." Pasuk tezvan, "We erdu avotenu mitzrayim," when they shaved in Eretz Yisrael, yamin we mitzrayim ulavotenu. So you see. He says to, he says to uh, Edom, we had a really tough time in Israel. Then he says, when it'sach el hashem eishma koleinu veishlach malach veyotzeynu in Eretz Yisrael vinei bekedesh yer could say rulecha. Here we are. We finally came to Kedesh, which is at the, uh, the border of the Sichon land. Sichon land. And now we would like to pass through your land to get to Eretz-Kinan. To get, uh, i sorry, not Sichon, Edom land. We'd like to pass through to get to Eretz-Kinan because that's where we're going. So now what's the difference between what Moshe Rabbeinu said to Sichon and what Moshe Rabbeinu said to Edom? (laughs) To Sichon he said, listen, we're, uh, we're a large group. We'd like to go through we want some bread and water. And we're going right there at Sinai. That's what he said. <coughs> but to him, Edom, Moshe Rabbeinu says, we had all these soldiers and we were in Egypt and we prayed to God and God got us out of Egypt. Why? Because Edom understands what the history of Am Yisrael is. After all, Edom is Esau. And Esau had a face-off about Eretz Yisrael with with Yaakov And Yaakov Avinu fought, wrestled, as they say, wrestled with the angel. And finally, what happened with ya- with Esau? After the wrestling and all that, this Esau had 400 soldiers. But what happened? What was the end of the story? Right. That Esau turned and went away. What did he turned and went away? He turned and went away because he knew that A, the Ta'ana of Yaakov was just, he had received the blessing of Abraham, A, and B, B the, the uh, God was on, on his side. I mean, how can Esau stand and fight against that kind of reality? So here when Moshe talks to Edom, he says, you're Edom, you're Esau, you know what we are doing here. And you know that we're not going to stop in the land of Edom. But we're going to the land that's called Canaan. And furthermore, you know that Canaan is ours. It belongs to us. And you see, the presentation is a little bit different. It's a little different. But, we'll go straight to where we're going we won't tarry we won't make trouble <laughs> we won't be a burden we're, all of these things now clearly clearly Esav should have responded positively Esav you can't say but Yom L'Avod Pen Becher Ezei Likra Echa so Edom is making up for the embarrassment of Esau that Esau had to turn and let Yaakov come into Eretz so as a result the Edomites refused to let to let uh, 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 Israel into their land now if you think about it in a kind of a formalistic way they didn't do anything wrong I mean, they also have a right to, if they were coming into Eric's, all they did was, as you see in the result, the result Uh, was a pure text. So they they changed the authors, they say, okay, we'll pay. You know, something that usually works in life, right? If you don't get good servants, it's out there. Like, you know, you have a deal, and somebody's supposed to come and fix something in your house for free, so he doesn't show up. But so if you call him up and say, "Hey," you, he's there right away. So this is what the servant did. First, they said, we want water and bread, but because we're brothers. I mean, how did mean, you refuse me the hospitality? And then they said, okay, we'll pay. We'll pay. And what did the Edomite say? So we psychologize. We don't know who the people are. But the Edomites did not allow the Jews to come into their land. They didn't allow the Jews to come into their land. <laughs> they had to go around. They went to Eretz- they were going to Eretzkenah, and they had to circumvent the land of Sihon, who, of, of, of Edo, who would not allow them to go through. So that, at uh, against get where there is no drama. I mean, Sihon, he said, Sihon, he was afraid of the Jews. He didn't want to let them come in. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't realize the theological implications of Am Yisrael coming to Eretz Yisrael. But Esau, Adol, they realized it. And they said, just like you took away, and we'll see it in a minute, you took the Malkus, the kingship, away from us, of Eretz Yisrael, you took it. After all, we're also the children of Avraham Avinu. We should also get the promised land but you took it away from us, we're certainly not going to allow you any leniency in going through our land and buying food and buying water and uh, etc. Is, is there anything wrong with that? I don't know. I don't yeah, think I don't so. Know. I think it's, uh, it's, it's the... Crea- it's spite of that. I was going to right? blame them for that response. And the, those are the facts on the ground. It certainly is not indicate. an act of great chesed. No, it's not chesed. Absolutely, it's not chesed. But do we have an expectation of people being full of chesed? No, no, but they, Esav knew. They understood what the issue was. The issue had something to do with God. And they rejected that. They rejected God. Of course, even God may play by the rules. And the rule might be, the rule might be that the land truly belonged to to Adonai. And they could actually deny Am Yisrael access. What's the first Rashi say? Achicha Yisrael, Mara'a sheinskiy <laughs> kam achva. He says, what, why would why would this be mentioned at all? That's only okay. new so brotherhood. This is about like a like a rally in Madison Square Garden. El Amar lo ashim anach. Pinei Avraham. <laughs> Rashi is, wonderful. is it wonderful. You know what wonderful is? Like it's... Like you sit up and say, wow. What a way of thinking about it. What, is, what, is, what are the words you mean? Yisrael. So he says, you Esau, you have a ta'anah. To us, to the Yisrael, that we inherited the land. We got the brachah of inheriting the land. Who is that brachah given to originally? Who is that brachah given to? To Avram oh. Avinu. Therefore, you have a Tana. You say, well, why should, why should Yaakov inherit the land? Well, 50-50. Esau is also a grandson of Avram Avinu. What's the difference? So what is the response that Moshe Avinu has, according to Rashi. Listen, we just spent 400 years of slavery in order to fulfill the promise that was given to Avram Because that's also part of the promise. So you didn't, you, Asa didn't so step away. You had no time. Ta- no, you were living the life of Riley while we were building uh, triangular cities. That is what Rashi says. That's uh, terrific. That's what we said. He said, look, we are brothers. We are brothers, but we're not the same. I took the responsibility, Israel, the Jews, took the responsibility of the punishment and we inherit the land. Okay, that's what it says. Now, if you turn the page, just turn the page, the first verse is the summary of the Rambam, which has an uh, an important... uh, uh, an addition, an important addition. The Raman said mm-hmm. Anybody who converts, sincerely, to uh, becomes part of Am Yisrael. And there are no real differences, yes, a little bit, but there are no real differences between a convert and someone who is born as a Jew. As a All of this is true with the exclusion of four nations, right? We you know Amo and Moab Edom and Mitzrayim, they are excluded (laughs) from this rule. The rule is that if you convert, you're a Jew, just like all the other, other Jews, and you have immediate access into the Kahal, into Kahal Yisrael. But not these four. (laughs) The only thing he can't do is marry. He he the giyur is a giyur He has in fact converted, but he's not able to marry until the third generation or the alketu Amon and Moab. Never. Halacha yutchet. Halacha yukhet He explains the dinim. Mm-hmm. Let's go to halacha chape You see the third part says halacha chape Now, this is philosophically, I think, very significant. He quotes the Gemara, (laughs) Shalat San Melech Ashur. San Cherib Melech Ashur is responsible for the exile of the ten tribes in the north of Israel, right? And from Rishon and north, from Rishon and north, there were ten tribes. The ten tribes were exiled from Yisrael by San in 722 BCE. Okay, so the Gemara says that when Sanhedrin came onto Israel, now this seems to be true in the sense that I mean, of course it's true, but I mean it's true in this following sense that. Did you know that, that in the olden times, but the same thing is true today, but in the olden times it was true that it was a lot easier to conquer another country than to maintain the conquest. I mean, how much of an investment did the conquering country have to do in order to maintain the conquest? Uh, like, how many Greek soldiers had to be in Israel in Eretz Israel, in order to keep Eretz Israel under the dominion of the Greeks and to make sure that everybody would pay taxes to the Greeks. How many? If you were the Greeks and you had conquered tens, if not more, of countries, well, how much, how many people could you deploy to keep that conquest going? So Sichon had an idea. Sichon had an idea. i sorry. I don't know, keeps pushing his way in, <laughs> in. But Zancher, he had an idea. He said, you move populations around. You conquer a country, you exile the population of some other country, and, you, uh, and the people from that country, you relocate them in country A. So what was good about that? What was his theory? His theory was that it's hard to work up a tremendous amount of patriotism about a country that you just moved to you've never been there before it's not about like generations so he, San Echere, was responsible for the Samaritans the Samaritans, remember that the Samaritans, so they were brought from the islands in the Mediterranean which had been conquered by San Echere. right, and they were brought to Eretz Israel and they resettled in the north and these Samaritans, these Samaritans, are called in the Panach, Gerei Arayot. Gerei Arayot. They converted by lions. The lions converted them. What happened in the What this was told in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Shreveh, what happened in, uh, in Malachat, what happened was that the the uh, the lions aren't there any lions left in in Israel? maybe the safari there's some lions no, there aren't too many lions in those days there was an issue with lions and the lions were very dangerous and people the Samaritans were very nervous about it and they decided that the reason that they are um, being attacked by the lions is that they are not devoted to the local God. You know about the local God? Every people has a God, and every place has a people, has a God. So the Samaritans, these guys who lived up north, who were brought in by Sancheri, they decided to become believers in the Israel God, in Israel's God. And therefore they were called Gerai Arayot, converted by the lions, but they never converted they just decided on their own. I mean, there are people like that today, right? There are all kinds of groups of people who think that they are Jewish or like Jewish or, or keep... certain. all kinds of stories about, about that kind of thing. So they... That the, uh, the Samaritans... The Samaritans became Jewish. In other words, they kept the Jewish law. So much so that the Gemara in the beginning of Fulim asks, can you eat matzahs? They were baked by Samaritans. Now we know that today nobody would eat a matzah that was baked by somebody who was not an angel, let alone a Samaritan. But in those days, they, they were kind of more practical. And they said, can you eat a matzah that's baked by a Samaritan? And the Gemara said, yes. Can you eat a, 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 a steak if the shochet of the cow was a Samaritan? And the answer was yes. Because they mean it. So they, was, they were from, and they developed their own, they're like, uh, I don't mean to make the connection uh, too literal way, but they're like the Mormons, right? They, they created their own Jewish religion, just like the Mormons created their own Christian religion. So they created their own Jewish religion, and that Jewish religion was based on the Chumash, you know, they learned a lot of Chumash, that's what they, they, that's what they knew. And according to them, and they looked through the Chumash and they decided that for a variety of reasons that the city that would become the city of the temple that would have the temple would be Shem, which was more appropriate for them because they lived further north. And they were therefore against building the temple in Jerusalem. They were against it. One of the arguments is that Jerusalem is not even once mentioned in the Torah which is a, a fact that you know you could use in one of those party games you know, uh, it's a sort kind of caught kind of question what great thing is not mentioned in the Torah that's Yerushalayim is not mentioned in the Torah so they said that that was a proof that Yerushalayim should not be the center but Shem should be the center and so when Ezra came back to Eretz Israel in 535 BCE with, uh, eventually, with Nehemiah who helped them to build the wall in Jerusalem and then the temple, the opposition, the opposition to building the temple in Jerusalem came largely from the Samaritans. And the Samaritans, I guess, because they were already a, a, a really viable group, had a certain amount of influence in Eretz Israel. They paid taxes, they, 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 they took all the soldiers out to lunch, or whatever, whatever happened, I don't know how, how it worked. But somehow, they provided real opposition to Ezra. I mean, there weren't that many people who came back to Eretz Yisrael and Ezra. Right, you know, the numbers are, are like uh, nephesh for nephesh. <laughs> 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 the that for right. Today, of course, it's much smaller because there are more Jews. So, the percentages like the same number is really today much smaller than it was in time. But it wasn't a number that could create a, a standing army or really a way of protecting yourself. So the Rambam says, so we know about saint like who Saint-Cherid was, and like who the Samaritans were. So the Rambam says in this halakha, he says, he <laughs> He mixed up all the peoples and he moved them these to there and those to here. And everybody knows that the Egyptians today are Arabs. They're not Egyptians. Right? they speak Arabic in Egypt, you may have noticed. And and they're not not Egyptian. They're not what we call Egyptians. They're ethnic Arabs. You know, they... They came to Egypt from wherever, from, from Saudi Arabia, from Ethiopia, from, but they're not—they're not Egyptians. The, the Egyptians were driven out of Egypt and, and disappeared. So they're not. Uh, so the Raman says, like the Rabbi wonders, he says, like, since all these forbidden nations, Amon, Moab, Midian, and Edom, don't exist anymore as, as nations. But they got mixed up as individuals in other nations. And therefore, therefore when somebody comes to convert, as the Raman says, again, somebody comes to convert, we apply the rule, there's a lot of rule that says, called the Porish Meruba Porish, which means that if there's a there's a mixture, like a mixture of, uh, of kosher and non-kosher, kosher meat and non-kosher meat, and, and one piece kind of is found outside of the mixture. So the rule that we always apply, the halakhic rule, unless we can afford not to, is called the forest rule. We assume that the one comes from the majority. That's how we posture. It doesn't matter what the truth is. So when it comes to these people, when it comes to these people, we also say, "Call the poor is the and therefore, there is really no longer in the world. So it's all not. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. They disappear. They've effectively, halakhically disappeared. Now, in order to get a little kind of twist, that that's a philosophical statement, right? A philosophical statement. It says that even though, even though the Torah says, "Don't allow them in." The Torah also says you do a lot of them. In, right? and, and In other words, it turns out that the Torah's position in, in Tvarim is theoretical. It's something that we have to understand that the bad apples ruin the something. One bad apple. Right? So it says one bad apple. But you have, to, you have to identify the apple. That's the Torah position. That, you can't just... It's not, we're not interested in isolating ourselves. We're interested in protecting ourselves. So if you see a, a virus or a bacteria, you have to get rid of it. But if you don't see it, you can't get rid of everything around you because you hope you'll also get the bacteria. Right? This, is like, this is like both philosophical and ideological and allotic. All of these words apply. Now let's look at the Strasemes. I know it'll take me another couple of minutes, but let's look at the Strasemes lo yazo amoni this was asked is about the false in the book right that the amoney and the moabi of the vassals of king moab said that laqo ka shekh kibu beyta like why does it say uh, uh, that is that they want to curse you and also that uh, this this matter remained so rashik saw she gador Oh, okay, we didn't learn that much. Right. You see the third line? Mm-hmm. It says, the third line, the third word, mm-hmm. in, in, in other words, they always wondered about all these nations. Like, like what do you need them for? I know that, that when they built the Tower of Babel, One of the punishments that God imposed was that he mixed up the languages and therefore uh, the people got mixed up. Because you could only talk to people who spoke your language. So you couldn't go that far. You had to stick with that group. So God actually created nations through language. Right You know if if the only language the only language you speak is Finnish so you're not going to move to San Diego even though the weather in San Diego is better. <laughs> but you have to talk to somebody. And since people who speak Finnish can't talk to anybody, right, there's nobody who speaks a language that's similar to, to Finnish, even though the, the, the good <laughs> of language called Finnish-Hungarian, right, which itself is, is the same thing. It's like saying nobody. Nobody understands. Like, nobody understands. I once took a course in, in Hungary. I didn't really take it. So I came for two or three times, and the teacher, the first day, asked everybody in the class if they knew Hungarian, you know, at home, that maybe their parents were Hungarian, they spoke to them and they knew a little Hungarian, so he says, you know what I'm asking, he says, if you don't know Hungarian, you'll never learn. That's the teacher. The teacher. So we all got up and we left. <laughs> but, but it was Hungarian, like you really, where can you go? Where can you go? You're like, I like, have to find other people who speak Hungarian. And other people, the same and you in Finland. Otherwise, otherwise there we go. So this idea that there are many nations in the world annoyed has do After all, we all started out speaking Hebrew. At least that's the way the Torah seems to present it. So that was good. It's good to speak Hebrew. So, how come God put an end to speaking Hebrew? So, He says, You are young. Our job is to fix things. Came, right, to, to make everybody move in the direction of God. Uh, And that's how it will be in the Emoto-Meshiv, which is described also by the Rambam, as a time of awareness. Not that anything different happens, point to the Rambam. Everything is the same. But the awareness is different. The Awareness for the Jews, of how important mitzvot are, and how important it is to stay away from the Surim. And the awareness of the Goyim, that there is a preferred way. They may not yet be on that way, but they understand that there is a, a... So that's the word, awareness. And how do they get that? How do the nations become ready for being, having this awareness in Yemotah Mashiach? By coming closer to B'nai Yisrael. They somehow, their nature is against B'nai Yisrael. How could they ever cleave to the Jews? The name of uva The and lahem achiza. shalokibu so again. It's not so much whether there are people who do good things and people who do bad things. That's not what determines who they are in relationship to the Navy. What determines who they are is if at any time in the history, they kind of reached out in some way two the nation, they make some kind of a connection. So even the Edomites, who didn't want to give bread and water to the Jews, but were willing to allow the Jews to buy the bread and water, even that makes them worthy of this transformation, the Emota Moshiach, where everybody will be, will have greater awareness of what God really wants of this of this world. So that. Uh, uh, that's what. Amon and Noah. Didn't have. If they would have just. Allowed the Jews to buy the bread. And the water. They would have been saved. They would have been saved. But they didn't. And so they were. But the Egyptians. As bad as they were to the Jews. They gave them food and shelter. And that established a relationship which made them worthy of Yemot HaMashiach, somehow getting close to the idea of, of divine awareness. And so we see in any event, in any event, either because this is too difficult, it's too difficult in history for Am Yisrael to always be jeopardized by other nations and eventually had to find their way back to Eretz Israel. That all of these people, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, the Edomites, they all disappeared. They all disappeared and we have no way of rejuvenating them. We have no way of making them uh, making them the nation that is not accepted, that is accepted. We have no way, way of doing that. So all that's left is the lesson. And the lesson is that the, prepa- according to the, the lesson is that preparation for the Motha Mashiach is somehow coming close to the Jewish people. Now, I don't like the sermonize, you may have noticed, but, uh, you know, there are people who say that uh, the, the fact that a lot of Christians have one need or the other, right? It's like not always clear what, they, what sort of need they're responding to, but a lot of Christians are interested in finding favor in the eyes of the Jews for some, some reason, right? So it could be, it, it, it might be, that, uh, that this is what this Met is pointing to. He didn't say uh, that it will happen or that it could happen, but he said, think about these things. And if you do, you might think about the fact that there seems to be this change. And not all Christians, by the way. It's not true that all fundamentalists love the Jews, it is not true that they all love Israel, but it is true that a lot of them seem to. Not the same ones. The ones who don't love Israel, you know, they say they don't love Israel. Not such a big, uh, not such a big secret. But it would seem that there is an interest somehow in the in the, the non-Jew, especially non-Jewish, especially the evangelical world. Uh, coming closer very closer to Israel. The evangelical world, it uh, seems to be, doesn't have that much of an ideology to work from, so they have developed it uh, ad hoc. Whereas Catholics, you know, Catholics are impossible to have all this they have all this halakha that they have to do. They can't move, you know, the, the poor uh, Catholics. Oh. Okay, have a good Shabbos.